Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Spheres of Influence. This is the podcast where we talk about those things that really influence us in life, politics, religion, and culture. My name is Dennis Sanders, and I am your host. Well, please consider, um, if you are listening to this podcast on your favorite uh, podcast platform, I hope that you will consider rating us and um, also leaving a review. That is helpful uh, to me and would love if you do that. Uh, today is another commentary, um, but it is related to an upcoming interview that um, will be happening. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the mainline church. Um, I'm hoping I can have someone that I can really do a deeper conversation on this issue, since of course it is a um, incredibly personal issue for me. Um, because I am an ordained minister in a uh, mainline Protestant denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. And so what's going on in uh, those denominations matter to me. So I want to start this off with a um, an article. There was an article back in 2018 that appeared in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and it got attention nationwide. The focus was on the closing of a uh, church a Lutheran church in rural Minnesota. And basically, this was the the example that kind of was talking about the decline of mainline Protestantism as a whole. Now, the decline of mainline Protestantism is nothing new. This has been going on for at least 50, 60 years. Though we think that probably in the last maybe 10 or 20 years, that decline has accelerated even faster. Now, there are a lot of reasons why this is happening. Some of it is cultural. Some of it just reflects the changes in our society, that we are not um, as religious as we once were. But some of them are also self-inflicted. You know, I mean, I've agreed with some of the, the critics of mainline churches over the years that at times... Um, Mainline churches can sometimes de-emphasize the gospel. Um, I think sometimes that they are too willing to jump in bed with the political left while at the same time criticizing evangelicals for jumping in bed with the political right. It's also, you know, I could go into a lot of things here. You know, the fact that I think sometimes that mainline Protestantism and what it's now being called in some ways, progressive Christianity, tends to be rather deist in nature. The The God that is sometimes talked about is not necessarily personal. It's kind of a God... Well, it reminds me of a, of a, a poster I once saw from a, um, one of my favorite English teachers in, in high school that said God is a concept. And I think that that is how sometimes people think about that, at least within um, mainline, some parts of mainline Protestant, I would say at least within the leadership, that God is a concept. It's not God is not necessarily a real person um, that we have a relationship with. Um, and I think that another problem with mainline Protestantism or slash progressive Christianity is sometimes the lack of passion um, in the these churches. 
Now, evangelicalism has its problems, but the, there is one thing there. Uh, one thing that I incredibly admire is their passion. You know, faith has to be engaged with the heart. Now, that does not say that it, it isn't. It can't be disengaged by the head. In fact, I think that's important too. That was something that I think I found evangelicalism was lacking when I was growing up. So the fact that faith is engaged by the head matters. But there seems to be, at least within, at least has been in recent years, um, some parts of progressive Christianity where there really isn't an emotion, a passion when it comes to the faith. Now, of course, relying just on emotions can be dangerous. And, but the fact is, I feel sometimes that it, how what I've experienced in, in, in some progressive churches has been very passionless. Or where I see the passion is actually, let's say, when they engage on political issues. But it doesn't really talk about anything connected to the faith. However, while I think that there have been times that I think churches, especially progressive churches, have played very loose with their theology, um, while I criticize their willingness to easily jump in bed with political left, I think that another major problem here is one that is cultural. It's about kind of the changing in our culture. It's not just that um, culture, it's not just things that we have done that have caused damage to ourselves, but it's the larger changes in our culture. Um, You know, one of the things I think we forget is that mainline Protestantism in many ways was the the faith of the WASP elite, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant elite. Um, and that's has that bears its imprint um, on these churches. And it doesn't even matter if if these are churches that were um, more middle class or or even a working class. All of them had this imprint of the WASP um, way of of thinking and living. Um, There is an article I found in putting this um, whole show together from the Christian Century in 1989, and it has William McKinney, who was a professor at Hartford Seminary. And he talks about the fact of how these churches made a societal impact. And that's kind of the thing that's important to remember, is that Mainline churches were, in many ways, the, one of the leading institutions in American society. Full stop. They, they, you know, their theologians appeared on the front pages of Time. Um, and this is what McKinney has to say: the impulse out of which Old Line Protestantism's key institutions arose was nicely captured in the words of a New Yorker editor describing Cambridge at Massachusetts in the 1970s. Though writing about a town and a university, he captured something important about 
old line Protestantism's past. Noting a certain tone, a certain mood, he observed that the completeness of the mood suggests the 19th century belief in an innate hierarchy in which social values, values of taste, moral values, and intellectual values all combine in a self-evident pattern. It's a 19th century feeling of being right and open-minded at the same time, of being at once well-bred and progressive. During the time of the old line church's greatest cultural influence, a sense of tone, a mood, and an ethos combined with a sense of activism, born of confidence in one's intellectual and moral righteousness, powerfully shaped the religious and mission institutions that remain. That impulse is not dead. When President Bush speaks, talks of a kindler and gentler America, he is hearkening back to that complex hierarchy of social, moral, and intellectual values and symbols that were once very powerful in this culture, particularly in the churches. That impulse belonged not to Protestantism alone, although, although those churches were its principal guardians and custodians. In preserving and protecting the intellectual and moral hierarchy, Old Line Protestantism found a sense of special identity and mission. This role gave legitimacy to Protestantism's special place in the culture, even after it lost much of its formal power. So, the church that in many ways the, the WASP built, what it brought was a sense of public service. It mirrored the people who were kind of the leaders, um, and so that was basically what mainline Protestantism was about. It was really about this um, people who believed that they were powerful and that because they were powerful, they had to lead in this culture and, and in some ways set, maybe set the tone, set the moral term in the culture. And in some ways that's being lost or that has been lost. Now, um, a few days ago, I got something in my email box from Aaron Wren, who works at the Heartland Institute, and he has written a piece uh, for his newsletter, and I think he's also written a longer piece in The Atlantic about J. Irwin Miller. He was, uh, at one time, the CEO of Cummins Engine. Um, it was interesting that he was incredibly interested and committed to his hometown of Columbus, Indiana, which is where Cummins is um, based. And he, the reason that he was so invested in his hometown was he wanted to ensure that Columbus was the kind of place that was going to attract the talent that would allow an engineering-based co company like Cummins to survive and thrive in Columbus. He also invested in how the town looked. I mean, he paid the fees for some of the world's most famous architects to design the schools, the libraries, the churches, and other public places in Columbus. Now, Miller was a Christian. He also happened to be a member of the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, my own denomination. Many of his ancestors were um, pastors, or they taught um, at Butler University, which is um, just down the road in Indianapolis. 
he was impressive. He had he served on several boards, both corporate and nonprofit. He was on the board of the National Council of Churches. He was very pivotal in um, bringing about uh, civil rights legislation. All of this it, it shows someone that represented a generation that believed in public service. And that was mirrored in the wider mainline church. They believed in public service. And so you still see that in some ways today. It's changed in many ways. It's different some in some ways, but you still see the residue. And mainline Protestantism has always been committed to public service in, in ways that evangelicalism really hasn't ever been. And I'm not saying that to put down evangelicals. I did grow up as an evangelical. But if you look at how um, these two different parts of Protestantism, uh, Protestant Christianity grew, um, mainline Christianity was the one that had uh, the kind of the longer commitment when it came to social, um, social issues and um, public service. So why am I doing this? Why am I talking about uh, the mainline church? I have my drivers sometimes about mainline churches. And I think if you were to, um, if it were, if the circumstances were different, you know, I probably would be a more liberal member of a of a evangelical denomination, but that isn't going to happen. And there really is one reason to me, and one reason only why it is so important in our society that there is a healthy mainline Protestant church, because it's the only place where I can worship God openly and safely as a gay man. That's it. You're not going to find that in evangelical churches. Even though I may agree with some of their theology, I'm much more orthodox theologically, but they're not at the point where they're ready to receive um, gays and lesbians. And let's be honest, as we can see in the recent news, they also aren't always as ready to welcome anyone that isn't um, either a person of color or gay or women in leadership sometimes. Again, I'm not saying that about all of evangelicalism, but that is a part that is a factor. You know, I think one of the strengths of um, liberal or progressive or mainline churches is that they've been willing to welcome those that have been... Um, Excluded. I think they really take seriously the, the social dimension of, um, of the gospel in a way that hasn't always been found in other parts of the church. Um, they are the ones that have been in the forefront of the civil rights movement. They were the ones that, because of their unique position, especially um, as being kind of the church of the, of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, people who 
probably many of them were people who were here when the country was founded. They were the ones that were able to help help America finally live up to its promises that were laid down in the Constitution. This was all of what they were able to do, and it's it's invaluable. It's important. Um, and I look at the many people um, who friends that I know who are also gay, um, that this is a place where they could serve God in a way that they weren't able to. Um, there are still many churches where I would, as a pastor, would not be allowed to be a pastor. And unfortunately, there are some places where I couldn't even be a member. Um, the mainline church has been a place where that has been able to happen. So with all of that, it's, it's important for me to see the church be strong, to see it become a place that can carry on well into the future. But to do that, it has to be a church that is, I think, willing to take the gospel a little bit more seriously. I think to be a little bit more willing to um, help to grow people in the faith. Um, I think a few podcasts ago, I talked about in, um, there was a paper that was put out by two Lutheran theologians about their fears about their denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Well, you know, would it not exist in a, in a few years and um, basically a lot of what they were talking about is trying to get back into teaching the faith and I think that that was something that was a part of and was a very strong part of um, mainline Protestantism for many I think generations but I think somewhere maybe in the last two or three generations because the faith in some ways was watered down more, it we didn't put as much um, emphasis on growing up in the faith. And as much as I think that social justice and social action are important, that has to be balanced with um, a belief, a strong sense of being formed as a Christian. Um, and that's something that we haven't always been good at doing. One of the things that I think also, I think when I look to who is out there doing, I think, worthwhile work to help um, mainline churches, I won't say necessarily be relevant, but be a vital in, in our culture is um, Paul Moore. He is the pastor of a, a Presbyterian church plant in Blaine, Minnesota, which is uh, the northern suburbs of the Twin Cities. Um, and he was responding to that article that I just said earlier here, back in 2018, that it is possible for revival to happen, for churches mainline churches to be 
vital to be relevant in their communities. Um, that decline isn't just the only option. Um, I want to just read something that he said in his blog post from 2018. As someone who helped redevelop the Presbyterian Church and who started a new Presbyterian Church virtually from scratch, I live and breathe the question of how to build a church ministry from a mainline perspective that is appealing to the wider community. Do I think it is possible to build a growing, vibrant, mainline congregation in 2018? Of course I do. I've seen it happen in the two contexts I've served, and more importantly, God hasn't changed in the last 18 years. The stories of Jesus haven't changed in the last 18 years. The possibility of individuals in the wider community having their lives transformed in the last 18 years haven't changed either. I don't think that the path to building a growing, vibrant mainline congregation is easy, and the ways to do this are many. I do believe that one essential way to growth is to adapt continuously. I think... Mainline churches have to be good at communicating the gospel of what we believe. Not just what we do, but why we do it. We have to be able to explain the role that faith has in our lives. Now, this is some place where evangelicals shine because they know what they believe in and what they believe matters. What needs to happen, I think, in mainline congregations is that we have to begin to preach this gospel of Jesus Christ and merge that with the commitment to social justice. And I don't think that that's anything new. I think that that was something we did, if you go back 100 years ago, to um, churches. I think that was always what we were trying to do, is to preach the gospel and also be at the forefront of social change. So as I said earlier, I um, have my druthers. I'm probably one of the weirdest people um, in that I complain a lot sometimes about mainline churches, but they're really the only place that I can call home. And in many ways, they have helped me in my faith Help me to grow in my faith. And I think I need to stay, even though sometimes they frustrate me, because this loss center in American life, in the life of the wider culture, I think needs to be built back up. Um, we live in a culture where there seems to be very little that is um, either, quote-unquote, setting the tone or providing leadership um, that is willing to be a part of their communities and in some ways, and in not very flashy ways, live out what they learned in churches. And I think that that has sometimes been done really well in the mainline church. And so I want to stay to revitalize that center 
because I think we have to find ways that we can be strong on social justice and also strong on evangelism. I think that we have to believe in a God um, that believes in liberating the captives. I think at the end of the day, I believe that the mainline church does have a future, and it has to. It has to for my sake. It has to for so many other people who either are gay or a person of color um, or woman or transgender. People who need to know that they are loved by God, that they can also have a role in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And it has to have a future. And I remain here to try to build it up. Because for so many people like myself, it's the only faith home that we have. The mainline church has problems. It is not the same church that it once was. It is not the same church that it used to be in the time of J. Irwin Miller. But with the help of God, I want to stay, stay to reform it. Because it's my home. And because I still think it has much to say and much to do in our culture today. Well, thank you for taking the time to listen. Um, and I hope at some point in the future, I want to bring someone on that really can do a good discussion on the future of the mainline. Um, it's an important topic and you probably want to hear, I would, I think you should hear more than just me blabbing on about it. Um, so I'm going to try to work on that and, um, stay tuned, but coming up in, in, um, soon and, I know I've made lots of promises, but soon I will be talking to someone about um, evangelicalism. Um, evangelicalism is an important part of American faith life. Um, it is not my tradition anymore, but it is still a tradition that I respect. And um, it is not always, not right now in the best of shape. And so I will be talking to someone who um, is an evangelical um, about where this part of, of faith is headed and how it can reflect some of the changes that are going on in American society. Um, well, thank you for joining me. If you have any questions, feel free. There is the email address is in the show notes, and I hope that you will um, take part. Um, before I go, I do want to lift up um, another podcast. Um, this podcast, for those of you who don't know, is actually part of a network. Um, it is... Um, some of you might know that I have written articles for um, uh, um, a blog that is called um, Ordinary Times, and that also now has a network of podcasts, 
And so I have um, started, I, I am part of it, um, and there is also a new one that is out there. Um, and it is called Hertel. Hertel is, um, is put together by Andrew uh, Donaldson, who is um, an editor at, um, at Ordinary Times. And um, he, uh, I know I just finished one where he was talking with someone who works in elections. And um, I think that that's going to, it was a great podcast. I'm looking forward to some others. And um, so uh, if you um, go to uh, Ordinary, I'll put, well, let me put it this way. I'll put the link uh, to her tell in um, the show notes so that you will know about it. And I hope that you will give it a listen. Um, Andrew is, I think, a great writer. I think he's a great interviewer. I'm quite excited to see he's joined the podcast, Frey, and excited to see what he has to bring. Um, So I hope that you will listen to him. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Spheres of Influence. I will see you soon. Take care and Godspeed. Hi, this is Dennis again. Um, after I finished recording, I recorded this last night, the main part, I started to do uh, think about a few things and I felt like I needed to add something a little bit more to this podcast about mainline churches. I'm hoping at some point I'm going to um, hopefully have some kind of panel or discussion or maybe or discussion with someone about the future of the mainline um, Protestants churches. I think that they are an important facet of American life. As I said in the uh, previous portion, it's, it's a place I call home. Um, and I know it might seem like, you know, this is the only place, so I have to make do with it, but there are also reasons why I actually like the mainline churches. And that does not mean, as I think sometimes people would say, is that you don't like, you know, other traditions, especially in, in these days, evangelicalism. And I, that's not the case. I, there's a lot about evangelicalism that I admire and respect. I, my childhood was basically an evangelical childhood. Um, but this is my home now, and um, it's the home that I want to make sure that it continues. And what I was thinking about is I was doing some thinking actually about a conversation I had yesterday um, that actually was from a blog post of a colleague of mine um, hopefully he won't mind if I name him, um, Doug Skinner, who is a, a Disciples of Christ pastor. And um, we were kind of talking about what what do we do in church, in churches as pastors? Is it about simply remaining faithful, um, you know, making sure that the gospel is preached, um, helping people with their faith? growing in your faith as well? Or is it also about us um, being active, you know, making sure that the church is one that is growing and, and 
doing things. And, you know, he, he basically never really came to a conclusion. I think, like myself, he leans more towards the side that would be remaining faithful and to keep doing what you're doing and being faithful and, and letting God work through that. Um, and I think that that's somewhat helpful. I, I, you know, I don't want to say that you just kind of don't do anything while your churches are either shrinking or wondering how they're going to survive. But I think you have faith that things will work and that, um, you know, another conversation or article that I read was one by Craig Barnes, who I believe was a pastor of a church in D.C. when I lived there in the in the 90s and is now the um, president at um, Princeton Seminary. And, you know, he's also saying, don't be so anxious about the future. And if anything, most pastors of mainline congregations are anxious. We're all anxious. You know, we see our churches going downward sometimes in, in membership. We wonder how the church will make it financially and how it will make its future. And his whole thing is, he says, is trying to remember your baptism. Remember that you're acclaimed by God. And I think that that is important. It's important for pastors and for church members. Um, as we look at our churches, as they become sometimes smaller, if we wonder what is the future, do we have a future? Um, is everything over and done? Is I think it's to, to remember who we belong to. And I think especially what, I, what I'm thankful the Lutherans have taught me is that whole concept of remembering our baptism. And remembering that we are part of who we belong to. Um, and that's important to know when you're dealing with uncertainty, um, when you're dealing with a lot of anxiety. And I think it's also important that we just um, keep remaining to be faithful, to teach the faith, to um, engage in prayer. You know, none of this is going to magically change our congregations. People aren't going to magically come and stream in. But there is something to be said about being faithful. Um, just to keep doing what we're doing. Um, to keep believing. And even believe when we don't know if we can believe. But to know that these practices... The things of, of faith are there. And I think that that's what can keep us going um, when things become challenging. And let's be honest, these days, if you are pastoring a mainline congregation, things are challenging. I think it's just those are things that are important. Um, I talk a lot about kind of how I there are things with the mainline church that I have problems with. And, and what I said earlier, like I said last night are all true. Um, and also even some of the cultural problems. But in the end of the day, a lot of that sometimes is out of our control. There's not much we can do. 
you know, if it's our social issues, there are things that we can't control there. And um, when there are um, even those issues that are not social, but there are um, things that are happening theologically or um, or even just locally at your congregation, sometimes we can't control those things. And sometimes we can do have the most awesome website. We can have these great plans that don't come to fruition. All we can do at the end of the day is have faith. The mainline church is not perfect. That's probably what I was trying to get at last night. But the friend, the, to be honest, I don't think that there is any part of God's church that is perfect. There are always problems. There are these are problems that are specific to mainline churches, but I think at the end of the day, this is my home, and it's the home that I want to help become better. And it's a home that I want to be less anxious in. And I think to do that is to spend some time remembering who I am, making sure that I stay strong in the word, remember those baptisms, my baptism, know that I am cared by God, and express that care and concern with others. At the end of the day, all we can do is to be faithful. So, thank you. Um, I'm, I Thank you for letting me have that little addition there. Um, and, as I said before, I'd love if you would share this, um, this episode with others. Um, there are a lot of others that we may want to hear a message. And, I actually have put the word out. I'm trying to, I do want to do actually a little bit more in-depth interview. This is just a kind of a commentary where I blather on about my experiences, but I'd like to um, actually try to talk to some other people and um, kind of go from there because I think that this is a topic that, that warrants a lot of discussion. Um, coming up pretty soon, hopefully the next podcast will be, I will be interviewing Nap Nasworth. Uh, he is a um, professor and writer uh, that is well known, uh, knows a lot about evangelicalism. He is an evangelical himself, and we want to talk a little bit about what's going on within evangelicalism, especially um, during the Trump years and afterwards. So I will see you soon. Take care, everyone, and Godspeed.